Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we're being joined by my co-host, David Blackman, in which this is our live show. For most of our listeners, you all know that we try to do a live show once a month with our partners, the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and the current president, Jason Modulin, who's doing a fabulous job for the association. Uh, And we want to talk oil and gas. We want our listeners to call in and ask any questions of our experts, Jason, myself, or David Blackman. I don't know if I'm calling myself such an expert, but I sure do know I have opinion on something for sure. So call in. The phone number is 210-308-8867. Again, the phone number is 210-308-8867. If you miss the number, if you log on to Facebook and type in in the oil patch radio show you will see the phone number right there uh but for now until we bring on the guys i want to talk to you about the latest issue of shell magazine it features jason modlin and why we are so excited to have him on the cover is he is a fairly new president to the alliance the association however he is not a newbie at all when you talk about oil and gas. He has worked several years, many, many years, in the oil and gas industry, but working on behalf of uh, the elected officials and talking oil and gas. So he definitely has uh, an understanding of both backgrounds, and this is why it's exciting for us to have him join our show once a month, as well as have him on the cover of Shell Magazine as well. Um, I'd like to also tell you guys about a mixer that we are doing December the 7th, at 5.30 p.m., uh, it is at Fogo the Chow uh, in the Woodlands, in which uh, we are going to cover what you can expect this upcoming session. We will have Jason Modulin uh, at our mixer to answer questions as well as to do some fabulous networking as well as talk about what we can expect uh, in this upcoming session. And as this past issue goes into the history books, it will be time for us to produce a new Shell Magazine cover in which this is our dedicated issue to the women in the energy industry. And I want to give our listeners an opportunity to earn a $75 gift certificate to our partner, Fogo the Chow, the Brazilian Steakhouse. If you can email us at radio at shellmag.com and tell us who you think is on the cover if you are the first person to uh, name who the female cover will be, then we will give you a $75 gift certificate to Fogo the Chow. I will give you a hint, and the hint is it is a female that works at Halliburton. Best guess, correct guess, will win a $75 gift certificate. And now it is time to get on with our live show. So before I bring on the guys, let me just give you the phone number one last time. It is 210-308-8867. And now let me bring on my co-host, David Blackman. David, welcome to our live show. How are you doing? Oh, I'm just doing wonderfully well. It's a beautiful day in Texas. 
You know, I don't know if it was a state problem or if it was uh, just a San Antonio problem, but it looked like gloom and doom here. I mean, it it was a very nasty, ugly day uh, yesterday, and I'm so glad the sun is out. Was it that bad in Dallas too, Dallas? Oh, yeah. uh, David? Oh, it's it's still cloudy and and kind of gloomy out there, but oh, no. we needed the rain, so I'm always happy to get the rain. True, but sunshine is on your way. Uh, Absolutely. So let me bring on our. Uh, expert Jason Modulin uh, to talk to our live callers and to help us with this live show today. Jason, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Well, Kim, it's great to be with you and David today. Happy Thanksgiving to you both. It's yes. been a wild month since we last spoke. Oh, it's like we're living in the wild, wild west right now. I'm telling you. <laughs> How is the weather in your neck of the woods too? You're in Austin, oh. correct? I'm in Austin, and it, it was pretty nasty this morning, but it, it's beautiful right now. Very yeah. sunny, and uh, we'll, we'll be out in it pretty shortly. Very, very good. Um, so, you know, it, I love doing our live shows because it really helps uh, our listeners call in and ask a question of you guys. And also, you know, I don't know where else you go to really have uh, oil and gas is such a really difficult conversation to have. It's a complicated topic and there are many, many different moving parts in it all the time. And I'm glad that we get to, you know, come together once a month and do this live show and answer some questions because there's always a lot of uh, people calling in and, and, you know, not really sure. And especially right now that we are in this really crazy time with the election and we're, and we're going to cover some of that too. Okay. But let's get started. Our show, you know, I hope to cover today, Jason and David, a little bit about what we can expect in the Texas legislature. They're getting ready to meet. Um, I also want to try to cover what the heck is happening in politics today. You know, do we have a new president? Do we not? And if we do, or if we don't, what does that mean for oil and gas? So for our listeners, you definitely don't want to miss today's show because we're going to cover that, but I also encourage you to call in. I want to jump real quick to a caller that's on the line because I know we start getting uh, backed up and then from there, we'll, we'll get into our questions. Uh, Barry, let's get on the line. Nate, who is from Houston, Texas. Nate, how are you today? And thank you for calling into the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Doing well. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of doom and gloom here in Houston as well. But again, we needed the rain. <laughs> there you go. Uh, nice. Nate, are you in, uh, is your background in oil and gas or are you in some other kind of uh, occupation? Uh, it's oil and gas and oil field services for the most part. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Well, shoot. What's your question for Jason and David? So uh, I guess this is a little bit more uh, of a macro view, but uh, all over the news for the last few days uh, has been the, the uh, supposed assassination of the the uh, Iranian uh, uh, nuclear scientist. Um, and uh, so I'm, uh, I guess I've been thinking about that and how that how that's going to affect oil and gas. Are they going to, you know, obviously a lot of people are talking about, uh, you know, they they think Israel was behind it. Um, But, uh, you know, with all the Middle East uh, peace agreements that have been going on uh, over the last few months, I wonder if they're going to, you know, suspect some other uh, individuals in the Middle East and if they're going to retaliate against, uh, you know, oil fields and and, and supplies in the Middle East and what that would uh, how that would affect, uh, uh, you know, oil prices and oil supply. Very good. Uh, that was a great question, uh, Nate. And uh, David or Jason, do you guys have, uh, you want to respond? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit. Um, 
Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. I, I Iran is uh, in a difficult position there. They, they don't really have a lot of leverage right now because, as you mentioned, all the, all the uh, peace agreements being signed by other Arab states there in the Middle East with Israel. We don't have any real proof that uh, I think that Israel was behind that attack on the nuclear scientists, but uh, I assume we will in the next few days find out who exactly it was. Um, but the question becomes, you know, where oil's concerned, um, what does Iran do to retaliate uh, that impacts the supply of oil? I, I frankly think it's probably against their interest to try to stop the flow of oil out of out of the Persian Gulf. So I doubt we'll see that. And, um, you know, I suspect what we're going to see is a lot of uh, saber rattling and diplomacy and not a whole lot else. But uh, I've been wrong before. Jason, um, go ahead. What do you think? Well, I, I think David's absolutely right. I mean, they are in a uh, difficult position uh, just economically and limited, limited by, by the number of sanctions uh, placed on them by the United States. Um, they are hoping that if there is a change in administration that they can renegotiate the Iran nuclear deal, um, allowing uh, their oil back into a broader uh, market than just Venezuela. Um, and so uh, we'll see what happens um, uh, over the next uh, couple weeks. Uh, Jason, do you feel, though, that this has any kind of real implications for the United States? Or are we kind of shielded in some ways? I don't know that we're shielded. I mean, it's such a critically important part of, uh, of global economics, um, uh, but uh, uh, it certainly wasn't the United States that was responsible for it. I, I, I at least feel pretty good about that. And, and so we'll continue to monitor and see uh, what happens. Um, uh, it wasn't that long ago that Iran was shooting missiles at Saudi Arabia um, and it affected the price of oil exactly one day. And that's because of American producers uh, and, and shale. You're right. David, are you kind of in agreement with Jason that this is, you know, of course, we're no we are not a part of this whatsoever. But uh, is there yeah, any implications I, for us? I mean, I, I would expect that if, if Israel actually did this, they probably would have given our people a heads up about it. Um, but, you know, the United States is the United States and Israel is Israel, and, and we don't necessarily have veto power over anything they do. So it's it's hard to see how we would be held responsible for, for any of this, assuming we weren't involved. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a tough deal. It, it's th that whole question about Iran's nuclear capabilities and yeah. what might happen in a Biden administration uh, related to all that of course, kind of mitigates uh, to encourage Iran to be patient here uh, yeah. because uh, they have to believe they're about to get Biden in the White House. And he's, his previous administration, of course, was very friendly to them. So uh, well, I suspect they'll bide their time. Yeah, let's take a break. I love the conspiracy theory kind of uh, questions because it lets us kind of go into an era area that we normally don't get to go into. So great question by Nate in Houston. Thank you for calling in. The phone number is 210-308-8867 if you want to be a part of the live show and the All Patch Radio Show. And we'll be right back.
The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us. 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. And I'm your host, Kim Bilotto, being joined by my co-host, David Blackman. We are being joined by the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, Jason Modlin, for our live call-in show. If you have a question on oil and gas, we encourage you to pick up the phone right now and call us. The phone number is 210-308-8867. We can also get a, uh, you can uh, message us on Facebook with a question you might have too, if you're a little shy and don't necessarily want to be on the radio. Uh, Barry, I want to go to our phone banks because we are actually super busy with the phones right now, Um, which is a great thing. I guess people are listening right now uh, because they're not so busy from a nice long holiday weekend in which there's millions of things to do. I think they've gotten all their, uh, you know, errands done. So let's join uh, line three, Joe, the Woodlands, who is an avid listener of ours and a huge fan. Thank you, Joe, for, uh, you know calling in every single live show and of course following the magazine we appreciate it what is your question thank you for having me (laughs) you're you're more than welcome so tell us what's on your mind today oh well you know in the news and everything you know with the continuous hype by the leftists especially after this election around the world that oil is bad greed is good is it plausible that they're just trying to run the oil companies out of business to allow the non-compliant countries such as China, Russia, the Mideast to get the lion's share? And then at that point, the U.S. government ends up claiming, well, you know, the country actually needs oil. I mean, it's indispensable. And you know that's a fact. And then the government just goes ahead and nationalizes what's left of the destroyed oil industry and companies. You know, it's a long-term ploy for the bureaucrats to get rich, I think. You know, is that plausible? Well, that's a very interesting question um, because it's going to focus around what do you think and an opinion. So let's get into the opinion. Jason, I'll start Always with you. Always a dangerous thing around here. <laughs> well, you know what, though? We do. We, I'm glad well, we're one of those shows that we do want to no, hear your opinion. No, you it's know, good. It's not good or bad. It's it an is opinion. Good, it is. 
Go ahead. Yeah, so Joe's absolutely right. Oil and gas is indispensable for our economy and for our, our, our global way of life. Um, so I absolutely agree with him on that. Thankfully, um, uh, the United States is set up very differently from other countries in that we do not have nationalized or even centralized control of oil and gas. Uh, that has been delegated to the states and and, and for good reason. Um, uh, there's 36 producing states in this nation that um, some do a very good job like Texas and some do not um, uh, like New York. Um, uh, but, but the range there uh, allows for, for the, the, the miracle of the way our system is set up um, uh, for those states to be laboratories for democracy and, and really show what works and what doesn't work. And, and thankfully, we live in Texas um, that has taken advantage of our natural resources uh, to the benefit of its citizens. Um, uh, in the case of New York, they do not. David, what's your opinion on this? I know you and I have gone back and forth about some some mm-hmm. of the states, how crazy it is the way that they think versus, luckily, states like Texas, where, where we live. <laughs> but what's your uh, opinion on uh, Joe's question? Well, I, I think it's a really good question. It's a, it's really an interesting subject. You know, there is, without any question at all, there is certainly a portion of the Democratic Party uh, that would love to nationalize all industries, not just the oil and gas industry. True. Uh, you know, led by the faction that uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and, and her crew and and uh, Bernie Sanders, you know, those people are they're all socialists and that's what they want to do and they make no secret of it. So I think we, we all need to pay close attention to what happens in Georgia in those Senate elections, the runoff elections in January. Uh, it, should the Democrats win both of those seats, they would have effective control of the United States Senate with the Vice President uh, Kamala Harris being the tiebreaker vote. And uh, at that point, you know, there's no telling what they might try to move through there. Um, I don't know that Joe Manchin uh, as as one Democrat and Amy Klobuchar as another would necessarily go along with outright nationalization of industries. Um, But you, you, uh, if there's majorities in both houses of Congress, it's it's all just kind of an open question what we'll see the next four years so um i don't think that'll happen but you know uh you you just never know uh, in this day and time it's a really crazy thought to think that um they they kind of will run everything and uh put through some pretty scary uh pieces of legislation they've talked about and i'm not just talking about oil and gas of course the show covers oil and gas but packing the supreme court oh yes i mean mean, we're talking about as radical as anything else a very very different look for the united (laughs) states uh than what we've ever seen in our history um i want to get to clint's question but before we do we're going to take a quick break uh so we talked about us trying to talk about the Texas uh, legislators meeting again uh, in 2021, and we're not going away from that. I, I want to cover that here shortly after the break. And I also want to cover, you know, the rig count has started to move up. What does that mean for us? And especially if we do have a new president in office that has kind of said from day one, he is going to sign an executive order that would actually uh, ban fracking on federal lands. What kind of jobs overnight are we looking at um, 
losing and what does that look like for a state like Texas? Um, and then I also want us to try to talk a little bit about that new administration. You know, what is it going to look like uh, if we do not have President Trump anymore, who has been very, very good to the oil and gas industry in uh, removing a lot of legislation that was very harmful to all of uh, the oil and gas associate, I mean, excuse me, the oil and gas sector. What does that look like uh, from day one with Biden? And how is that going to affect already a very uh, unsteady uh, oil and gas sector as a whole? But we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kim Bilotto, wanting to talk to you about how to age gracefully. As a woman, my appearance is important to me. It makes me feel good about myself when I feel I'm taking care of myself. And I have been visiting a woman for many years who has helped me with my wrinkles, my skin's elasticity. And you know, a lot of people think it's really just involving women, but it's not. Many, many men also seek treatments as they see the aging process occurring. I visit Cynthia, my friend of many years, who is a master injector for San Antonio Cosmetic Surgery. I I feel very comfortable going to her and allowing her to just do her work on me. Pick up the phone, call Cynthia, make an appointment and see what she can do for you because it has taken years off of me. So if you want a free consultation with Cynthia, give them a call at 210-641-4320. Again, the number is 210-614-4320. Or you can visit their website at sanantoniocosmeticsurgery.net. Be sure to tell them that Kim within the Oil Patch Radio Show sent you. We're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. It's our live show in which we want you to call in and ask a question of Jason Modulin, president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and my co-host, David Blackman, and myself. The phone number to call in is 210-308-8867. Guys, I know we have a lot of questions that we want to try to get to, but our phone lines are lit up, too. I'm going to take Clint in San Antonio. Clint, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and what is your question for, for us today? Yes, thank you. Uh, my question is, in 2021, can you tell me what the energy industry looks like and how fast will it re- return to somewhat normalcy to the pandemic? Pandemic. Okay, well, that sounded like, uh, I think he was asking two questions. One is, what is 2020 going to look like for the oil and gas industry? And then, uh, is I don't know if that was post pandemic or if it is a a second question but i'll let you guys take a stab at it jason go ahead sweetie yeah i think uh, assuming that we're on a path to get over this pandemic in the first or second quarter of next year uh all signs with the vaccines uh uh, rolling or or having positive uh reports of of, uh, testing and, and production uh, occurring that, that we can see a return to some normalcy, uh, particularly here in Texas, um, by that third quarter of next year. 
Um, uh, it, it'll remain to be seen what other states look like, uh, depending on what Washington is made up of. Um, and, and by that, I mean, uh, does New Mexico be severely impacted by a federal lease ban? Um, uh, do we see the uh, Dakota Access Pipeline uh, get uh, curtailed and ultimately abandoned uh, with the change in administration? Those two factors uh, could be extremely negative on New Mexico and on uh, uh, the Dakotas. Um, but here in Texas, uh, hopefully by a third quarter of next year, we're back to normal. But, you know, there's a lot of also regulation that has changed um, in uh, Colorado as well. Uh, yeah. David, talk to me about your opinion on, okay, so the caller's asking what does 2021 look like for the oil and gas industry with a new administration, and we have a lot of regulations coming down in New Mexico, Colorado, that are very problematic, not to mention this administration. What are your thoughts on what are we facing for 2021? Well, it's going to be a more compact industry. It's, it's already smaller than it was. Uh, fewer employees, more um, tech technology adoption uh, in order to streamline processes. Um, uh, it's going to have a bigger focus on curtailing methane emissions, um, regardless of, of who the president happens to be. It's going to have a higher focus on preservation of capital uh, and effective deployment of capital. But at the same time, there's also a pent up energy building within these companies to drill wells. And, and we've seen that over the last couple of months with a higher rig count. So I think, you know, for, for the first half of 2021, we're probably gonna see a rig count that continues to rise. Uh, I think we're gonna see in the next couple of days, OPEC plus extend its export limitation agreement and that'll keep the price, you know, at a decent level in the forties, probably, hopefully not ever below 40 and I think steadily rising. And, um, you know, then we'll get to the second half of, of the year and, and see what COVID looks like and, and everything else. But, uh, you know, this year is, has been a year of compaction and consolidation in the industry. And I think we'll see a little more compaction and consolidation in the first half of 2021. But, but things are getting better. And I think things will continue to get better as 2021 goes along. Well, it's good you're not really pushing doom and gloom. But, Jason, my question to you is, do you think the energy industry as a whole has done a really good job of advocating for themselves as far as really telling the American people, you know, what they've been doing uh, in a good way? Yeah, it, it's always a difficult uh, problem for the oil and gas industry. We, we, we get um, a lot more attention when oil prices are much higher, when there's pain at the pump. Um, and there's far more calls to allow the oil and gas industry to expand drilling, to find new opportunities, new reserves uh, to produce, to, to drill that price back down uh, to something manageable. When prices are low, uh, unfortunately, we sometimes see a pile on. We see additional environmental regulation. We right. see criticism of oil and gas companies yeah. um, that when they have to make layoffs in order to, to uh, uh, maintain business. Uh, Jason, hold on to uh, that thought. Hold on to that thought. We'll be right back. Remember this name, oil field experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil field experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. 
write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. Our guest today live is Jason Modulin, the president of the Alliance, Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and then, of course, my co-host, David Blackman. Uh, Jason, I want to come back to you because we did have a hard break, uh, and you were trying to finish off, uh, you know, has the oil and gas industry done a good a good enough job in advocating for themselves, uh, selling the American people that oil and gas uh, is an absolutely necessary thing. And uh, in 2021, does it get better? Or does it get worse? I, I hope it gets better. Uh, we certainly have our work cut out for us uh, uh, with um, a, a number of uh, millennials wanting to advocate for moving away from oil and gas, but it's ubiquitous in our lives. It's necessary for how we're responding to COVID right now in the sense of the personal protective equipment and advances in medicine brought to you by oil and gas. Mm -hmm. It's how we feed the world. It's how we power the world. And it's how we we heat the world uh, as we're going into a very cold winter. Um, So it's ridiculous to think that we will abandon oil and gas. Um, But uh, it's going to be competitive. That's uh, undoubtedly true. Uh, as we see investments by governments in greener technologies um, uh, and alternative fuels, um, it's going to be a competitive landscape moving forward. Well, you know, I think there is enough room for for everyone at the table. So, uh, you know, oil and gas is good, and so are potentially some of the new resources coming online. Let's take caller for Veronica, New Braunfels. Thank you. I know you've been on the hold for a while, and I appreciate you calling in. What is your question for Jason and David? Thank you. Now that it looks like that we will have a new President Biden, how hard of a hit do you envision oil and gas taken here in Texas? Okay. And by the way, if I may say, I love your show and I enjoy listening to it every Sunday. And thank you for allowing me to ask my questions. Thank you. Thank you very thank much. You. Okay. Who wants at uh, Veronica's question? Um, I'll start. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, in Texas, it's, it's probably not going to be uh, that big a hit for us in Texas. There's, very little federal land. Uh, so, for example, uh, the pres- uh, uh, Mr. Biden's promise to ban hydraulic fracturing on federal lands mm-hmm. doesn't really impact our state that much. Uh, very little, in fact. New Mexico, as, as Jason mentioned earlier, uh, would be really hard hit. And, and in that state, uh, the oil and gas business provided 40% of the state government's revenue last year. So, um, you know, when you take away this industry from the state of New Mexico, uh, it's pretty hard to see uh, where the state is going to make up the revenue. Um, but but here in Texas, you know, there's a few things the federal government can do to, to impact this through regulation. Um, but uh, at the same time, we've always, you know, we've been through that before in the Obama years and the Clinton years. And and our industry in, in this state has always been able to survive and maintain. So I, I don't really, from just the Texas industry standpoint, 
I don't worry too much about the Biden presidency. Well, that's good to know. Jason, I want to give you a chance to answer that, too. And, you know, there are states, uh, I believe New Mexico has been one of them, that has really kind of carried the charge of not, not oil and gas in their backyard. So is this, are, they, are the roosters going to come home to roost now, potentially, for them? It, it, it certainly may, um, uh, and that would be a body blow to New Mexico. Here in Texas, it would be on the margins uh, uh, with offshore production being affected. Um, uh, we also have a number of service companies that are headquartered here in Texas uh, that will see some curtailment uh, uh, across the United States if they're not able to get into some of these uh, very prolific but federal basins um, uh, that, that could impact some jobs and some returns here in Texas. But uh, by and large, uh, we are state regulated, and that is a good thing here in Texas. Jason, who do you think are the winners and losers with the, with the administration, Biden administration, and uh, this federal uh, ban that they're going to, he's going to put in place day one? Who are well, the losers? there's no doubt that China is a big winner uh, with with a uh, potential Biden administration. You're also going to see a number of these uh, alternative energy sources uh, continue to see investment from the federal government. Um, I think job number one will be extending their tax credits, um, uh, and that will be a big priority for both uh, 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 Biden as well as Nancy Pelosi. Uh, to continue to see those types of technologies deployed across the United States when when really they've been limited to offshore and, and kind of Midwest um, uh, deployment. Well, David and I have been dying to get to this. Uh, we want to talk about the Texas legislators and them meeting. Uh, they're preparing to meet in January. My question to you is, uh, have you seen any bills yet that have been filed that are going to be problematic for the energy industry? Yeah, they gavel in January 12th of 2021, and they started bill filing uh, at the beginning of this month, November 9th. So they've already filed over 900 bills uh, and constitutional amendments on both the House and Senate side. We've read through most of them. Uh, thankfully, some of the 900 of the bills captions, uh, <laughs> we can we can avoid reading some. But uh, we're tracking about two dozen bills right now okay. um, that uh, are largely problematic. Uh, thankfully, I don't think many of them uh, will pass or even advance out of the, their chamber of origin. Uh, but these include proposals to make it far more onerous on pipeline companies uh, to, to build pipelines here in Texas. The other uh, things we're seeing are some tax increases, uh, which again, I don't think will progress, but uh, one is on raising taxes on natural gas producers, and the other is on raising the gasoline tax. Um, uh, both would affect all consumers here in Texas, and that's why I don't think they will progress very far, but that legislative session starts in uh, 44 days. Well, you know what? One of the things I'm I'm glad for is we're getting ready to go to break, but we have an interview, David and I, next week set up with One Future, which is another association that's getting ready to really take on, and they've got some commitments from some of the operators to really take on the challenge of uh, methane, and, uh, and we look forward to interviewing them. Um, uh, and, David, I know you have a lot of questions for Jason, too, when we return from break, specifically probably on some of these specific uh, pieces of legislation that are getting out there. But we do have to take a quick break, guys. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back.
The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C. and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. We're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Jason Modulin, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and my co-host, David Blackman. And David, I know you've been chomping at the bit to ask Jason a couple of questions. Go right ahead. Jump on in. Yeah. Yeah, Jason, you know, we're, we're talking about the legislative session coming up in Texas starting in January, and it's just 140 days long, as they all always are, every two years. And this time, they're going to have to deal not only with... Uh, closing what's looking like a pretty big budget gap, uh, but also redistricting, you know, the 10-year redistricting process, which is always highly controversial. Even with all these bills being filed, do you think they're going to have a lot of time left over uh, to even deal with with other legislation in this session? It, the budget and redistricting will certainly be big items that will consume much of the session, but not every member serves on those two committees uh, yeah. uh, in, in both houses leaving lots of other items lawmakers will take up. Uh, let me give you a before and after COVID list of legislative items that we'll likely see. Uh, before COVID, lawmakers were focused on police reform, uh, incidences of mass violence, and how best to avoid harm in both those areas. Um, they were also focused on broadband internet, rural health care, and the closures of some rural hospitals. COVID has only exacerbated the concern in those policy areas while also adding a pretty robust conversation they're gonna have about the tools the governor and other statewide elected officials utilize to combat the virus. Uh, some good, some bad, but, but that'll certainly be a big focus for lawmakers. Well, you know, with the budget uh, being such a big piece of this, uh, I mean, we've talked about this before, but I, I think it's always a good time to remind our listeners of the industry's role in funding the rainy day fund in the state of Texas and 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 how big a role that will play in balancing the budget talk about the the status of the fund right now and uh and and how you see the legislature being able to use it in this session well the texas alliance of energy producers just had a conversation recently with comptroller glenn hager and he reminded us that he's projecting a 4.6 billion dollar shortfall to just get out of this current biennium yeah. But he was quick to point out that the state's rainy day fund will have approximately $8.8 billion in it at the start of the next biennium. And as you know, that rainy day fund is made up entirely of oil and gas severance tax dollars. That's the only taxpayer that pays into that fund. And, and that's really what lawmakers have utilized over the past decade uh, to fund roads, 
water infrastructure uh, rebuilding after Hurricane Harvey. And then even last session when they shored up uh, retired teachers pension funds, they utilized the rainy day right. fund. Um, so it's a critical part of how lawmakers address budget shortfalls. Do you think that uh, the Texas uh, legislators, that they really get how important, I, I mean, do you think that they, newbies coming in, do they really get it quickly how important the Texas Rainy Day Fund is to them and to our state? I, I think they learn very quickly how critical it is. Um, uh, at first, they see it as a big pot of money and, and they want to spend it on ongoing expenses, but then they realize the volatility there and, and how really um I think uh, uh, the governor has made smart investments over the past uh, uh, several sessions into things that will benefit the, the entire state and oil and gas. Um, and that's road infrastructure, water infrastructure, the, the big ticket items that we need to continue growing the state rather than on items like um, healthcare or school funding that are ongoing expenses um, uh, that, that would be problematic from a budget standpoint if you're if you're taking from your savings account for ongoing expenses. David, I know you have another question, and we have an uptick on uh, energy. Go ahead and, and uh, ask your question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, I want to talk about, uh, you know, Jason, you mentioned there there's a bill out there that would raise the gasoline tax, and I, I filled up my car the other day, and regular gasoline was selling for $1.69 a gallon, which mm. is – Pretty Beautiful. historically low adjusted mm -hmm. for inflation. Beautiful. I, I worry about that, uh, any effort to, to raise the gasoline tax, because that's a tax on everybody, and it really impacts uh, the less fortunate among us more than anybody else. Um, and so I, I, I really hope that, uh, do you think that uh, that idea has any kind of legs in this session? Um, we'll see. Uh, uh, it's been bandied about in Washington for a number of years now to raise the, yeah. the federal gasoline tax. Uh, and then, of course, we have a, a, a state gasoline tax on top of that. Um, so it's about 38 cents uh, for every gallon of gas you, you purchase uh, goes goes to taxes. And when it's $1.69, uh, that, that's a pretty big tax uh, uh, price uh, uh, going on to that gallon of gas. Um, uh, unfortunately, I think both Washington and Austin will continue to have conversations about raising the gas tax. The proposal that we saw here in, in Texas was a two cent gas increase and then tie it to uh, inflation. Um, they've talked about that for a number yeah. of years to get away from fixed price uh, per gallon and move it into something more like a CPI where, the, where they can see some inflationary factors um, because uh, uh, the price of, of constructing roads continues to go up uh, as well. We've got about a minute left. Uh, just real quick, Jason, uh, crude prices, uh, they're starting to rise uh, a little over 10%. Uh, what are the factors that are causing this, and do you anticipate uh, 2021 stronger crude prices? Yeah, it's COVID is absolutely the number one driver for our economy and for oil prices right now. And so I think the uh, announcements on the positive test uh, is what really uh, buoyed oil prices. Uh, as David mentioned earlier, OPEC is meeting this this next week, and hopefully we'll see uh, continued adherence uh, to the cuts they laid out despite um, uh, oncoming production from Libya and Iran. 
Um, but what we'll likely see if there's a change in administration is uh, a reduction in the number of federal leases, re-signing the Paris Climate Accord, and then restarting a number of the onerous Obama administration environmental regulations, which just makes domestic production more expensive. So in other words, what you're saying is good times are ahead if we get a new administration. Not. Just kidding. Uh, look, guys, that is all the time that we have. I want to leave our listeners with, Jason, you are heading to a mixer in Houston, Texas, in which you're going to tell us a lot more about uh, this upcoming legislative session and what we can expect. It's set for December the 7th at 5.30 p.m. at Fogo the Chow in uh, Houston, Texas, in the Woodland areas. If you want more information to attend the event, it's going to be a sold-out event. It'll be a much smaller networking event. I encourage you to get your tickets right now. You can go to shellmag.com. There's information there, or you can go to our Facebook page and get a ticket there. For now, that is all the time we have. David, thank you so much for joining me again on our live show. We look forward to having Jason back. And you know, Jason, we probably need to meet up with you one more time and do one more show before the end of the session. Not live, but to tell our listeners what they can expect in this coming session but on behalf of in the oil patch radio show thank you for coming on and participating in our live show and thank you to all of our listeners that every week tune in at 2 p.m or on sundays in houston uh, we have we have four or five different stations going on and we encourage all of our listeners to go in the oil patch radio show on facebook sign up and you'll be able to catch up with where we are actually you know airing uh most of the time in the different areas but for now thank you guys for joining us you're listening to in the oil patch radio show thank you jason In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.